Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Uh, tonight, we're going to dive into God's Word, and if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn over to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be there in just a few minutes. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that I love. I love tacos. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Okay, that was the loudest amen I think I've ever heard from you guys. I love tacos. Uh, my daughter left with uh, my dad this morning, and she's off for a week of grandparent fun. And once she left, Brooke and I turned around, and we made breakfast tacos, and they were delicious. And I'm telling you, if I'd have had all the stuff for tacos for lunch, I'd have had tacos again. And, you know, if, if we were having tacos tonight, that would be great with me because I love tacos. I love salsa. I might love the salsa that goes on the taco more than I love the actual taco itself. But, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that I love. I love cowboy boots. You notice that I wear a pair of cowboy boots every week. They're durable. I think they look nice. I love cowboy boots. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to watch them tomorrow, and hopefully they'll roll over the New York Giants and uh, get to 10 wins this year. I love the Texas Longhorns. I love football in general. I love college football. I love the spirit of the game with the bands and, and everything that goes into college football. But you know what else? I love my wife. I mean, I really love her. I love being around her. I love spending time with her. When, when she's away and, and not there, when I go to bed at night, I miss her. I don't sleep as well when she is not present. But I love my daughter, Haley. She's adorable. But I also love the fact that she is spending the next week with her grandparents. Amen? Yeah, we love a lot of things in our society. Uh, I mean, we love our homes, don't we? Uh, most of you have worked really hard to create a, a home that you enjoy, that you love spending time in, and, and that works for your family. We love our cars. We love our trucks, don't we? Some of you guys, I know we love our trucks, and, and they're great. And, uh, you know, our, our cars are efficient, and uh, sometimes they're comfortable. Some are luxurious, and they have all these cool little gadgets. They get fancier every year. We love so many things in our world that the word love in so many ways, has lost its meaning. And so tonight, as we're going to look at God's Word, and we're going to try to figure out what it means to love God. Does it mean that we just show up at church on Sunday? Or does it mean that we are just kind to the people who are around us? I think that the Lord has a lot to show us about love tonight. So go with me to 1 John chapter 4 in verse 9. And if you have your handout, the first thing that we're going to look at tonight is that love is made visible. Love is made visible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. All right, let's stop right there for a minute. In this, the love of God was made manifest. 
So the first thing that we have to understand tonight is that God is love. And in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is love among the Godhead. The Father loves the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father. uh, I'm sorry, the Son loves the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Son and the Father. They love one another. Uh, before, Before the world existed, there was love because God is love. Now, our best version of love is very, very, very tainted. Is it not? I mean, you think about the person that, that you love the most, right? Probably your spouse or perhaps your kids or maybe you've got um, a best friend that you just really, really, really love. And you think about it, even though you love them so much, like you are capable of being a real jerk to that person, right? Like it just takes the wrong look or or the wrong word said in the wrong tone that all of the sudden you are angry at one another. I'm telling you, Haley can push my buttons like no other. And all she has to do is say no and run the other way. And I just get so frustrated with her. And she's three years old. If you haven't met her, she's not here tonight. But man, like last night we were trying to get in the car and leave, leaving a restaurant and she's kind of down at the end, uh, and she just looks at me. And I know that look. And it's so frustrating because on the one hand, you just want her to get in the car, and on the other hand, she's playing, and she takes off in a dead sprint around the other side of the restaurant. And so who has to go chase her? I do, right? And then we have to have a conversation about not running away. And and so when it comes to love, our best version of love is not very good. But God's love is not tainted by the sin that we carry. God made love visible. Now, um, how many of you have been reading the Max Lucado devotional that we handed out at the beginning of December? Okay, we have some. Okay, great. This is good. All right, so uh, in the fullness of time, God the Son, Jesus, came to earth. He took on frail human flesh in order to make love visible, right? Now, in that devotional, uh, day two, I believe it is, uh, Max Lucado gives the example of taking on squirrel flesh. Okay, here's what I mean. God the Son, Jesus, lives at the right hand of the Father in the glorious place that we call heaven to come to this earth and to take on our frail human flesh would be like you or me looking at a squirrel and saying, you know what? I want to save all the squirrels in the world. And I'm going to become a squirrel so that I can save them all. Now, this example was really special to me for a couple of reasons. Now, my wife, Brooke, uh, outside of her office, there is a ginormous pecan tree. And in that pecan tree, there is an angry old man in the form of a squirrel. I'm telling you, he is vicious. And he sits in that tree and he just, he just barks and barks and barks and barks. And it doesn't matter if there's one of the cats is sitting on the porch or, or if the dogs are walking out or if Brooke goes to get the mail at the mailbox. That squirrel has made it his life mission to sit there to watch that office, and to bark at anything that moves outside of that office. 
And when another squirrel comes and climbs up that tree, I'm telling you, you better get ready because those squirrels go up and down and all over the place. Now, you could not pay me enough money in the world to become a squirrel. I don't really care for squirrels. I don't think they're that cute. In fact, I think they look like a giant rat with fur. They are not cute animals. They're vicious. I mean, look at one up close. You look at it, you're like, no, that is not a squirrel. That is a rat. And so I think this is, it was just a perfect example, right? Like there, there's just nothing I would do to become a squirrel. And it's hard to imagine Jesus leaving the glory of heaven to take on our flesh because of his great love for you and for me. Jesus, in his birth, made love visible. I was reminded of Philippians 2, 5, 6, and 7. It says this, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the very form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus took on flesh. And when he grew up and when he dwelt among us, He made love visible in all that he did, in all that he taught, in the miracles that he did, and how he displayed uh, perfect love to those around him. You think about the night uh, that he was betrayed before he went to the cross. What did he do in that upper room? He undressed himself, and he literally took the form of a servant, wrapped a towel around his waist, got down on his knees, and he washed the disciples' filthy feet and said, this is love. You go and do likewise. But not only does Jesus make love visible, Jesus defines love for us. So we're going to see love defined, number two, if you're following along. Go back and look at 1 John 4.10. It says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the text is very clear here, right? Like we're not the ones who initiate love between us and God, right? We don't. In fact, it's saying when you love others, when you look at our love, it doesn't even compare to God's kind of love. Like, we can't even begin to imagine his kind of love. Jesus defines love for us in what Mike read for us earlier. John 3, 16 and 17. Let's read it again real quick. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Look at Luke 19 and 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is love. It's not the kind of love that we uh, try to throw together. Or you even look at, at a marriage ceremony, and, and well, that might be the purest um, 
earthly form of love. In that very moment where um, two people come together and declare their vows and their love for one another, even that is tainted by sin, and God's love goes a step beyond. And go back to verse 10, and look at the very end of it. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a funny word, but what it simply means is that he absorbed the wrath of God that was to be directed at you, and he took it on himself. Now you say, well, Russell, that's interesting because I thought you said that God is love. God is love, but he has wrath. And I think in our culture today, we don't like to look at this side of God because we want to say that, oh no, God is just love. He is holy and purely love. And so we just love everybody and we can do whatever we want because God is love and he'll forgive us our sins. It's okay, just do whatever you want. But that's not what the Bible teaches us at all. It says that God has wrath and you and I are the cause of that. Because our sin, our evil deeds, the things that we do that displease him, that are wrong, that dethrone him in our hearts, those things are called sin, and they swell up anger and wrath. And so there's got to be payment for that sin, and that is what Jesus took on himself. Say, Russell, I don't know about all this God has wrath thing. Well, let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 5, and look at verses 5 and 6. It simply says, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. Are you ready? You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. You see, those who do evil are against the Lord, and the Lord hates them. And that's not something that that you or I could fix, but that's something that Jesus fixed because all of us are evildoers. Yet when we commit our life to Christ, his blood that was shed on that cross, when he was the propitiation for our sins, it covers us so that we do not receive the wrath that was due to us, but we receive eternal life. We receive the full life that Jesus talked about. In fact, he says in John 1, 4, it says, in him was life and that life was the light of men. John 4, 14 says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. I want that kind of water. The water that I give him will become a spring of water. What? Welling up to eternal life. John 10, 10, I've quoted this one to you often. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He says, I am the good shepherd in verse 11, and I lay down, or the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Church, that is love, that God would not only leave the glory of heaven to be among us, but that he himself would absorb the wrath of the Almighty Father directed at us so that we might have a full life in this life here on this earth and also that we might have eternal life with him in glory. That is an amazing kind of love. That's the kind of love 
that I want. It's the kind of love that makes this life worth living. It's the kind of love that brings a richness and a vibrance to us. It's the kind of love that connects the best things on this earth to our Holy Father. The only way I know how to explain this to you is when you have a a delicious steak. I mean, you think of the best steak you've ever had. I mean, it's just cooked perfectly. It's so tender. It's like the meat almost just kind of falls apart. The flavor is almost indescribable. You can't really replicate it because it's so unique, and it fills your mouth, and it tastes so good. Those things, those good things in life are meant to immediately not just be enjoyed, but to direct our hearts back to the Father, realizing that in Him we have fullness of life. And it's saying, wow, how good is God? Not only that He would come to earth, that He would die for my sin, but that He would let me experience something like this, this side of heaven. For you grandparents in the room, you think about when your first grandchild was born. You think about that moment when they came into the world and when you got to hold them, when you got to see them. What an amazing moment that that was and how good God is that he would give you grandchildren to enjoy. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about fullness of life. It's connecting the good things in this life to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Love visible, love defined. When you experience that kind of love, you want other people to know it. And the last thing we're going to talk about is love expands. Go back up to verse 7 in 1 John chapter 4. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not Uh, I'm sorry, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Church family, if you don't love others, if there's not that place in your heart where you can love other people, you simply haven't met Jesus yet because love is from him. You say, okay, well, that's good, Pastor. So, you know, love God, love people, wrap it up so we can eat. Hold on. How are we going to love other people? It's kind of a hard concept to put our hands on, especially when the word love has so many different meanings. But I want to encourage you in two areas specifically. Number one, I'm going to encourage you to pray for other people. It was one of the very last things that Jesus did before uh, he went to the cross. He prayed for his disciples. Prayed that, uh, John 17, 18, he says, as you sent me into, into the world, so I send them. He prays that they would go and that they would be an example. Uh, earlier in the gospel of John, he says, hey, this is how uh, people will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. Pray for other people. We're approaching the the end of a year. We're about to walk into a new year. And I know some of you are thinking uh, about maybe uh, New Year's resolutions or maybe some goals that you want to achieve in the next year. And I just want to challenge you. As we walk forward into 2022, 
May it be a year of prayer for you and for your family. That you would take every opportunity and that you would pray for others. You walking into a meeting, pray for the people who are in that meeting. You're walking into the gym that you work out at. Pray for the people who are around you. Pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. You wake up in the morning and you're grumpy. Pray. You wake up in the morning and you're happy and excited to be alive. Pray. You're walking into a classroom for the very first time. Pray. Pray. Church, I'll be honest that prayer, there's a lot of things that keep us from prayer. We were in our men's group this week and just talking about, we were, really we were talking about marriage, but the conversation kind of deviated to prayer for a few moments. And we, we talked about our struggle to pray. It's hard. And uh, I believe it's, who is it? It's Thomas Goodwin, uh, one of the Puritans said, it's almost like we have an allergic reaction to prayer. Like there's something in our flesh that, that draws near to that moment of prayer, to interacting with the Lord. And it's like, oh, wait, I got to go do this over here. I've got something else that I've got to get done. And it keeps us from prayer. He goes on to say, I want to read this to you. There is a force in our minds resisting prayer like a solid barrier which must be broken. This force seizes on any and all of these good and bad excuses of the flesh and reinforces them in order to discourage us from praying. How many of you have prayed for something earnestly, diligently, consistently, and it hasn't happened. Man, the enemy is going to seep into your mind and say, see, I told you prayer didn't work. I told you you shouldn't be praying for something like that. And it begins to reinforce in your mind that prayer is useless. God doesn't hear my prayers. My prayers aren't getting above the ceiling, and it keeps us from entering into prayer. He goes on to say that the enemy does this because he knows that even our weakest and our poorest prayers have the power to move heaven and earth. Church, I want you to remember that. Like You can pray. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have the right language. You don't even have to have the right words to be able to pray. But when you do, you're communicating with our Almighty Father who's in heaven, who has all the power to do all things. Pray even if it's all you can do just to muster up some words, pray. Let us be a people of prayer. Second thing on your application, how we love people well. Be hospitable. Be hospitable. Now, by that, I, I don't mean that you have to be Joanna Gaines and you have to have your house set up just like she would decorate it, okay? That's not what we're talking about. When I'm talking about being hospitable, I'm simply talking about connecting with others on their level. Connect with others on their level. See, we have a, a tendency sometimes uh, to come into uh, church and, and we just connect on just the most common ground that we can find, whether that's football or trucks or vacations. But I want to encourage you to go deeper this next year in community. 
community is one of our values. It's one of the things that, that we really believe is important and that God has called us to. And in this next year, I want you to try to go deep, that you would connect with other people on a level at which they can share their heart with you. That you would get beyond just the basic how you doing conversation and that you would go deep with people. And some of you are saying, oh, not me. I ain't doing that. Ain't no way I'm doing that. And you're worried about what others would think or others would say about who you are, what you've done, or where you've been in your life. And I'm just here to tell you that's not love. And nobody in this church is going to say anything about you. He's going to make fun of what you've done or where you've been in this life. And so church, I, I want to encourage you. Let us begin to set a, a firm foundation of community in our body where love would go deeper, connectivity would be more meaningful, that would in the end fuel our prayers for one another. I'll leave you with one last quote. This is from Richard Lovelace. He simply says, if all regenerate church members in Western Christendom would simply intercede or pray daily, simply for the most obvious spiritual concerns in their homes, in their workplaces, and their local churches, there would be a transformation of which would be incalculable. The results would be incalculable. And church, I really believe that in my heart. I believe God has put us here to change lives and change eternities. I believe that he's assembled a group of people are willing to do that because I believe you're willing to pray and I believe you're willing to connect with others on a deeper level. So church tonight, I'm going to pray here in just a minute. I'm going to pray for you. And then together as a church body, we're going to sing Silent Night as we close out our last service of 2021. And after that, we're going to have an opportunity to celebrate, to be hospitable with one another. And in your conversation with each other, you'll take note of how you, get, you can begin to pray for the other people who are in our church body. And I hope you'll do that and begin to set a firm foundation for 2022. Would you pray with me? Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.